And so many times you actually see that flipped on its head where you think it's the other way. Like your heart, like, oh, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm going to bow or I'm going to jump around because I'm super happy. Um, No, I bow because I'm not submitting to God in that moment. Hello, and welcome back to The Moral Minority. I'm Joel Sam, and I'm joined here with Josh Luckett. Today, we have a special guest um, to talk about and answer the question, why is Christian art so bad? It's a provocative question, and we hope to get some provocative answers. Uh, We're here with John Mark Cole. John Mark um, works at a church as a worship leader, and he also does is a singer-songwriter on the side. Uh, John Mark, why don't you go ahead and fully introduce yourself, um, and uh, we can take it from there. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's great to be here, guys. This is so fun. And um, yeah, my name is John Mark. Um, I'm a worship leader at my church, Lake Point Church in um, East Dallas. And uh, I'm also an artist, and I, I also fill in for other bands and um, play as a freelance musician and kind of do all those things. And I'm excited for this one because it reminds me a lot of the conversations I I had in the hall or in Josh's office when we worked together at Grace Bible. So um, I love those moments and loved being there at that church too. And so I'm excited. Yeah. So I I don't think I'm a I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You won't be surprised by anything. By anything so. I say that's for sure. Uh, yeah. And it, it was cool. Not, we all, we also got a chance to, uh, I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but uh, as far as like being able to play an instrument or sing or anything, but um, I wrote uh, at least one song. We started writing another mm-hmm. one, but, um, but wrote at least one with John Mark and it was fun. Um, just kind of, be, getting to be a part of a creative process that I just am that just was very fresh and new and and getting to see uh getting to see the master at work um it was fun and so yeah I'm just really excited to have him on the show and and get his perspective and um I'm very cynical when it comes to Christian art uh um not because I don't like Christians I love Christians but I just struggle with kind of the the culture of it and so I'm excited for um, for John Mark and maybe even Joe, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if we've ever really talked about it, but to give some, to give some fun pushback and yeah. for us to engage about yeah, it. Yeah. I love this conversation. Um, and I've, John Mark and I went to college at the same time and I've been watching him perform for about six years now Beast. off and on. And Beast. yeah, so I've, <laughs> I've been a fan of the John Mark musical experience Oof. for a long time. He's actually seen the whole arc. I actually, <laughs> it's scary right for now. me. <laughs> this is awesome. What you got? I, all right, so right in front of me, I have a John Mark no, Cole poster. No. I have yes. a poster in my room. Dog, we're fans. My wife hasn't even seen that. She doesn't <laughs> know about those. We're legitimate fans. I'm a legit bro. fan. I didn't even think about this before the podcast. I was like, wait a minute, I have a poster right there. So this is great. This is I'm great a, content for an audio podcast. I'm sure. I yeah, I know. Y'all, y'all who are listening will really just have to trust me that I'm a, I'm a uh, real fanboy here. I so, saw it with my own eyes. No, that was a picture of me as a freshman, I, probably sophomore in college. I, I think underneath uh, in Wolfpen Creek Auditorium, I think like underneath this concrete structure, it was like a really gross parking garage. <laughs> and Oh, man. Yeah, so it was not a great poster, but... Anyway, that's what you just pulled out. So thanks for that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, I just, that just came to mind. And that's uh, it's funny oh how gosh. long we've known each other, but I haven't actually really had yeah. this conversation with you. So I'm excited to Mm-mm. have it now. Um, so let's let's go ahead and get started. Yeah, Josh, you want to kick it in. off? Yeah, I, I think I wanted to kind of start with 
Um, so I'm a big history guy, as uh, I think John Mark knows, and maybe even you know as well, Joe. Like I love love history. And uh, so I study a lot of church history in particular. And so I just kind of wanted to start with, like, as we talk about, you know, why is, why is uh, Christian art so bad? Kind of want to start with some some positives of just like Christian art um, throughout church history. Um, and you can, you can place that wherever you want. You can lead it up to the nineties, you know, if y'all want early two thousands, whatever, but throughout church history, um, that's been really cool and inspiring. And I got three for sure. Um, I really dig, uh, Gregorian chants. Mm. I just think that stuff sounds incredible. It's be- like, I study to it a lot. Um, and for those of you that don't know, it was, it was named after a, a, a very famous, possibly first Pope, uh, St. Gregory. And, uh, basically it was just, uh, really, um, melodic, rhythmic, um, um, chants in Latin, um, that was, uh, performed in most Catholic services early on in church history. And it just sounds beautiful. Like the energy in it, um, everything is just fantastic. And then I would say hymns because of just how provocative they, they were for their time. Like early on in church history, people only, um, sang um, from the Bible, sang the Psalms from the Bible, or they had the Gregorian chants. Um, And I say early on, that's all the way up to probably about 1500 uh, until a guy named Isaac Watts and a bunch of other incredible artists started saying, no, we're going to write our own music. Just like in the early church where they wrote their songs, we're going to start writing our own songs. And that was kind of the beginning of of um, hymnody and it was beautiful. The songs that they were making, um, a lot of them were really dope expressions of their own personal experiences and their own brilliance. Um, and so love hymns, absolutely love them. I'm not that guy that's like, you got to have hymns at a church for me to like it. I'm not that guy, but I really do enjoy when a hymn is played at a church. They're just, they're timeless. They really are pretty transcendent. And then my last one, of course, would be uh, Negro spirituals. Um, they were they were created by a people who was uneducated, told they weren't human, um, marginalized, disenfranchised. And yet in the midst of them being called inhumane, unhuman, not creative. They created one of the most creative genres of music that has influenced so much other music throughout American history. I mean, they made music that um, one really transcended time, was really simplistic, had coded languages about escaping to the North, but also had strong spiritual, um, powerful messages and uh, has continued to influence, like I said, not only African-American music all the way up until now, but um, even um, just American music. And as I've, I've actually seen it in a book that it's probably the first uniquely made American music was uh, Negro spirituals. I guess maybe bluegrass or something like that would, would have a, would have a little bit of a debate there, but yeah, those are, those are three, throughout church history that I've just thoroughly enjoyed. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I haven't even really delved into or considered Gregorian chants or Negro spirituals. I grew up in a church environment that was all hymns all the time, nothing else. And there's pros and cons to that. For one, there is lyrical depth. Um, but on the other hand, there's a lack of innovation and there's a lack of openness to, um, creating music that's novel and that adapts to changing musical 
styles. John Mark, what was your experience with worship music um, maybe growing up or and how, how have your views of worship music changed over time? Yeah, um, well, music was always around in my family. Like my mom uh, sings as a choir teacher. My dad had a rock band in high school and my sister sings. So we were always listening to music or making it around the house. And um, so it, it was just kind of all around me, especially church music. Actually, my, my wife uh, brings us up as a joke, but we were watching like a football game. And, uh, they were, someone was like, uh, I think playing the, like the opening off, like the national anthem or whatever on a trumpet. And each one of us would walk into the room separately. And Lila was in there the whole time, my wife just listening. And we would complain, like we'd be like, oh, he's flat. And I'd walk out and my dad would walk <laughs> in, you know, oh, he's flat. I love walk out. Then my mom's like, oh, so flat. What is it? walk back out. So... <laughs> We uh, we're definitely critical, <laughs> and that's something I've had yeah. to work on. Um, but yeah, so uh, going back to the the main part of the question, besides uh, just general music around with my family, I think just growing up in a like a Southern Baptist church and and kind of hearing at that divide between like loving the the hymns and uh, kind of the reverence of God, and then moving to the more personal language of like modern CCM or whatever corporate worship, and kind of. It, it was in that tension. So I think I got a little bit of both uh, growing up. And uh, I was mentored by a couple guys uh, in the church as a musician, as a worship leader. And uh, yeah, started leading in a gym um, for a junior high student for like 10, 10 kids. And thought it was really cool. I had a mic. I was like, wow, I'm so loud. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just kind of took it from there. So uh, that was it's been cool to kind of see how it, how it's changed uh, since then. But yeah, I've kind of always been around it really. And I, I like to put it that I've been living in this intersection between um, se- like just secular art and um, corporate Christian art for a long time. And so it's kind of been interesting to watch the cars drive past and to meet new neighbors and see what my neighbors are doing, who's making what, who's creating what, and how are we dealing with living at this intersection. And so it's been cool. Yeah. I've had a, learned a lot for sure. That's dope. Yeah. I guess before we even finish the second part of the question, I mean, like, uh, yeah, you, you got to live with, uh, with other artists, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, you were kind of referencing that and even with your family, like, uh, like what, uh, what would they would they consider themselves uh christian artists or or christians who made art or whatever and like how is how are they dealing with that tension of like maybe wanting to write a love song that didn't say jesus or you know or wanting to um write a song about some life experience and like um yeah how do they wrestle with that tension um uh as as songwriters and and curators yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they've really thought about it much because <laughs> my dad was in a rock band, so his his big song was kind of shy, and uh, he loves to bring it up all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, uh, at one of my shows, I think about a year ago, a little over that, uh, we covered it as oh, a band, wow. and I brought up my dad, and he sang it with me. Dude, that's so and, freaking uh, beautiful. He forgot the words. It was awesome. He forgot the words? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. <laughs> He did. And uh, my uncle was there and he was like, what? Mass confusion everywhere. 
what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> what is that? Why? He's talking about a girl being shy. What does that have to? Why is it this chaotic language? <laughs> um, no. So my dad was a songwriter. My mom has uh, taught me a little bit about songwriting. Hasn't gotten super into it. Um, yeah, I don't think they ever really. I don't think it meant as much to them. So I don't think they wrestled with it as much as I have. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, we'll talk more about your your wrestles with it here and maybe in the next uh, in the next little bit. But but now I'm curious, like what are what are, what is some what is some art that's been made throughout Christian history um, that um, I'm using the provocative term bad, but we can even use. OK, I have some I have some critiques. I have some I, I had some struggles connecting with it. Um I had some struggles with its with uh, it as an art form, just like we would critique any art form. I, I'm just gonna go ahead and say, like, from about 1970 to I don't know now. Um, there's just like, especially that whole 90s era of Christian music. I was just like, man, I can't do this. Like, it, it just it made my ears bleed and i'm i'm dramatic of course but like i there was there was just like uh it, it felt like the words were very very just kind of shallow and surface the production was just hard to really like kind of uh enjoy um especially so i'm a huge hip hop fan right and the 90s was, in many ways, I'm not going to say the golden era, but a golden era of that music. And, and you know, I don't know if I really set with 90s music as a whole as much as I set with hip hop. And then, of course, going to church in the 90s and early 2000s means you're going to hear all the 90s music. Um, so those two genres, but just the just the difference in creativity, the difference in risk, I would say. Um, it felt like uh, others, other art forms, especially in the secular sphere, were just willing to take content risk, sound risk. And I just felt like the church just in that era in particular just kind of played it really safe. And I think there's social reasons for that, cultural reasons for that. But that was that was just kind of a that was just kind of an era that I just I just couldn't attach to and still still really struggled to to really attach to. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I know that there's, there's some some language in uh, maybe it was the 70s or 80s in in American Christian culture, but just using uh like rock and roll was the devil's music, mm. like you know play it backwards and it's, uh, it's this kind of this chant yeah. that's gonna summon a demon, yeah, or um even just like the the beat and the rhythm of the music is going to make you want to live this worldly secular sinful lifestyle that that's what that was the kind of language that drove this conversation john mark your thoughts hmm. um yeah it's interesting i mean i think it reminds me of what you guys talked about on your last podcast as far as just the different generations of hip-hop kind of looking down on the new generation you know and it's like oh you need to take it back i i think it's I think that's just prevalent in every type of music and that's why the new stuff is good. And, um, people are going to look down on, on Billie Eilish just cause she's new, you know, and, hmm. and breaking all the rules. Right. And, uh, but that's, that's when you do that, that, that disrupts thing that's disrupts things. And that's kind of what changes it. So, um, yeah, I honestly, I'm not super familiar with, um, music and church history. 
as far as like how it's I've, I've kind of zoned in on here's the stuff that I like and you know I've kind of stuck with that so what's uh yeah. what's some of the stuff uh I guess in the 90s early 2000s kind of in this kind of in our lifespan that you just really we'll, we'll get to like specifically with some stuff that's coming out today where you're just like, okay, this is really good or, or not so good or whatever. But like, yeah, kind of in our lifespan, what's some, what's some of the stuff and artists that you've just been really blown away by and really impressed with? Yeah. Um, man, I think about um, songs that are um, really what I'm looking for with worship music is one of the one of the filters I look for is out of Psalms, like sing a new song, right? That that's one of the commands for how we worship God, and and what I'm looking for is something new. Like, is that I don't want it to be like a recycled set of phrases. I, I want there to be something new in there that I haven't heard, and so or some new concept to kind of stir my affections about God. And you know, like He doesn't change, but every time you look at Him, there's a new holy that you can sing every different angle. There's a new song of, of praise. There's something new. So that there's a new idea. And what, what I would think is, man, just early, early Hillsong stuff like Hosanna, uh, Brooke Frazier, uh, just unbelievable. Um, when I was like a teenager, uh, what's that uh, from the inside out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Just really personal songs, uh, that came from a personal place, but also, are just so healthy for a bunch of people to sing together and participate together. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and yeah, and that, that really ministered to me. I don't know if those songs are the most creative thing, you know, at that time, worship music was kind of, uh, latched onto you two at that era. And so I don't know if it was production wise, anything crazy, but man, I, I think it really connected with me and, uh, I still love those songs and I try and play them and, um, but they don't let me, I don't know. <laughs> I want to do those every week. Before we even move to the next topic, there, there's a group that I'm absolutely in love with that you just can't, you just, you, well, I remember I was talking about it and you've just never been able to really gravitate towards them. King's Kaleidoscope. Have you, have they grown on you? John Mark, you're not a Kings fan. Okay. So do you, do you guys have a, um, like an artist that you just, there's something about the voice that you just, ah, man, I can just never enjoy Bruno this, Mars. This thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bruno Mars. Easy. Easy. Really? Bruno Mars. Yes. Oh my gosh. And see, that's a great example because he's like one of the best vocalists of our time. Like his vocal work is amazing. And you probably can't stand, like, it's like, oh, it's Bruno Mars and like your brain turns off. I, yeah. Like, oh, I, I have this. to, I have to bow down to you on that one. I mean, I don't, I don't know, like, vocal lists like i don't have that expertise and so but for whatever reason it just doesn't feel very soulful it just doesn't and i'm big on that like i loved i love when my pop music still has some soul to it like michael jackson and um uh, even like a lot of the r&b artists today that are kind of blending pop and r&b like chris brown and stuff like that has a little bit of soul to it Bruno just doesn't get that. But I guess that's what you're saying about Chad Gardner. Is just, okay. The voice just isn't. Yeah. So yeah, something about, uh, and he's an awesome singer and like his lyrics are incredible and they take a lot of creative risks with their 
production. And I, I really like the message of most of, of what they put out. And so, um, yeah, all that stuff is good, but yeah, something about his voice. I'm like, Oh, I, I, it's just something that like just doesn't click with me. And so I can't enjoy it. It's such a bummer, you know, cause I, <laughs> no. I think, man, who's wired just to think that about me, you know, he's like, <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> here's no the tiny little boy John voice again. Yeah, you've, got a, you've got a great, you've got a great, <laughs> you got a great smoky, but I think I, t- I used to tell you this, like I, you just, your sound reminds me so much of not that you're emulating it or copying it by any stretch of the imagination, but it reminds me of citizens, citizens and saints. Um, one of the, Zach oh, yeah, yeah Zach. Guy. Yeah. One, one, one of the Seattle bands. Um, and I, I have loved them for years and, uh, him in particular, just his voice is so great. And so every time he used to lead worship at Southwood, whenever I was there, um, I was like, man, I just, I just really like this. I really like this familiar sound. And so, yeah, that was, I, I, I get that. I get how, I get how a voice that you connect with can just make all the all the difference totally get that um let let let's jump into it let's let's jump into specifically worship music not just christian music as a whole but worship music um uh particularly as a as a christian artist like what are some of the kind of healthy kind of algorithms that are like yeah this is kind of a normal thing that worship songs need to do that I really enjoy creating and performing. But then on the flip side of that, here's some of the things that the industry just necessitates that maybe I'm not crazy about for you as an artist. Yeah, that's great. And I I think something I've been trying to apply for me and one of the values that our um, church is on staff is you um, cultivate what you celebrate. And so I think it's really important that we celebrate the things we love about Christian art and let's celebrate that so we can cultivate more of it um, as opposed to complaining, you know, and that kind of thing. So that, that's really shifted my viewpoint. So I'm really trying to, man, what do I love? How can I, how can I just celebrate what's really creative and um, just awesome about it? So um, yeah, so a couple of filters, one I already said, like sing a new song, uh, I want it to be that that helps me because if it just sounds cool musically, but it doesn't say anything new or impactful, then I don't know if it would be the most helpful song for people to have on their lips. You know, like worship is theology. You're putting theology about God in people's mouths and they're going to have that in their heads in some of the best times of life and maybe in a hospital bed. And so a lot of times I think what I, what I want this song to come to someone's mind if they're in a hospital bed and they need a song to sing, is it going to be really upbeat and catchy, you know, and cool? Or is it going to just have a lot of weight and be helpful? And so I look for that. Um, I look for, um, you know, God asked of us in the scriptures to worship with all of our heart. So I, I, I maybe that's more participation, um, but to be heartfelt, to be personally relatable um, to be God glorifying. And but I think you want to make songs that are, you want to make songs that are highly participatory. Yeah. Yeah. Like personally relatable and highly participatory. And that, that's where, like, that's where it gets really hard. It's actually really hard to write stuff like that. Um, and yeah, songs that, uh, I think we answer for every word that we say as pastors and every word that we preach. And 
we're going to be held accountable to that. So I think every word of a song just has to be um, just vetted and fully worked through and strong and uh, God glorifying. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, and I look for some richness too, and it can be simple and rich, but are you saying something new about God? And, uh, is it, yeah, but is it also something really easy to get into? So how do you yeah, strike that balance? For. How do you strike that balance between being creative and singing something new while also kind of vetting every word and making sure that it's, um, theologically sound? Like, how do you shift between those because sometimes it can feel like those things are intention yeah um oh gosh that's so hard i i think about whenever like a new record comes out i'll look through a, a worship record before i listen to it i'll actually just look at all the lyrics and i'm a i'm a that that's my problem because i'm a big music guy so if i hear a cool intro i'm like oh i want to do that song this sunday because that sounds awesome but Instead, like it's helped me look through and be be just like struck by the lyrics that really stand out. You know, now there's like a good thing to being reminded of of those phrases, reminded of of things about God. So you're going to hear similar things. I mean, all of the Old Testament and is just you know God reminding His people. You know, hey, this is who I am. Hey, don't do this. So it's going to sound repetitive at times. Um, so that's okay. But yeah, I'm really looking for that, that thing that really sounds new. And I remember doing this with one of Passion's records and the whole album is awesome. And then I got to a song and the title was like, you're bigger than I thought you were. And I was like, huh, that's really simple. But now I'm really thinking about it. And what if I apply that to every area of my life? And just Sean's writing, Sean Curran or Curran, I don't know how to say his name, but his writing in that just... Oh, just awesome and really easy to sing, uh, accessible for the everyday person, not just an artist to jump in. And yeah, like kind of that, I, I love looking for that. That really makes me think. And then I'm like, you know what? This has some weight to this song just by the lyrics alone. No, I, I know you want to, I know you want to celebrate. I love that. What you said at the beginning of the uh, starting to answer the question of like if we celebrate what we like because we talk about this in hip hop circles all the time instead of because di- I honestly like it all so I'm not really like much of a guy to really critique certain things about as far as music that's happening in hip hop today but um, for people who do critique it a lot um, one of the pushbacks that they'll receive is like well we got to celebrate what we like so that people keep making what we like or that what we appreciate about the genre is continuing to be propelled um but at the same time um yeah what i i would i I guess i what what are some what are some algorithms or like formulas within worship music that maybe you're like okay guys maybe we don't have to always do this or maybe this isn't what constitutes as a smash or what constitutes as like everyone's going to play this on a sunday Uh, maybe maybe there's some formulas that we've kind of gotten stuck in that aren't necessarily great for the genre moving forward probably just like water metaphors (laughs) (laughs) we can just move on i think we've written all of them i think we've written all the songs that's great i love that (laughs) um yeah more more water songs that's what we need (laughs) oh gosh 
Um, man. Yeah. Another thing too, like in, instead of, I think I, a lot of people I know can complain about worship music and I, I wish I could install this rule of if you want to complain, you have to contribute, you know, or even don't complain, contribute, write your own songs, write your own art, contribute to the art. Don't just sit there and pick it apart, add to the conversation. Right. And so that's something I like to do because yeah, there are things that do get uh, frustrating uh, with me with um, worship music. And a lot of the times it's, yeah, it's, it's empty phrases. I think it's things that rhyme that um, I can tell was just, they're maybe trying to finish the co-write and okay, cool. We'll just put this, Mm. we'll just put this in here and that this has been like a million different songs. And so, um, gosh, it's hard. Um, musically, I think pads introing every song. I think we're, I think we're, I remember Lila, my wife asked me that. She's like, what's that wah sound at the beginning of every song? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what we do. So it's not awkward and quiet in between stuff. But yeah, mm. what if we started with drums? You know, what if we had a guitar line and I actually noticed uh, Bethel's, uh, their record that came out last year had no pads on the entire thing. Wow. Yeah. Dang. I noticed that no pads. Dang. Um, yeah. And it sounded kind of folky and a little country cause it would just start with an acoustic. And I thought that was really cool. So hmm. yeah, I think that, and, um, gosh, I think, I think there's a difference. There's this division in, in a worship music between like me language and father language. Okay. And I think the perfect blend, there's a little bit in the middle, but I still just love songs just talking about the father, talking about who God is. And, you know, when my feelings and whenever, I, I don't want to sing about that all the time, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's good. But I, I want to sing about who God is because that never changes. And that changes me just by looking at him. That's good. So I, so I think there's a blend. I think songs that lean all the way over to the me language um, aren't as helpful to sing together as a group of people mm. trying to move in one direction. Uh, to glorify God and make disciples. So I, I think I just, I love that dial to kind of lean a little bit more towards the father um, because I I just think that changes everything, mm. you know? It's good. It's really good. Yeah. It's so good. as I'm a musician and I perform in my band, but I also serve on the worship team at my church. And it's something that I've experienced um, whether I'm in the congregation or whether I'm playing on stage there's some days where I'm listening to the song or playing the song and I'm just not connecting with the words at that moment. Like I hear the words, I process them and they're kind of going through my head and I'm like, God, I'm not feeling this right now. Um, how do you as uh, a worship leader, so to speak, how do you ever wrestle with that? And how do you mitigate that? Like, how do you cultivate, you know, the natural ebbs and flows of human emotion and how do you use uh, the language of worship music to deal with that? Man, I love that. I love that question. I bow Mm. in the middle of the song. When I'm singing a lyric and I don't feel it, it doesn't hit me. 
maybe I feel like, oh, I don't know, I'm not, this isn't changing anything in me right now. That's my point where it's, you know, most people let their emotions guide how physical they are when they're worshiping or what movements they do. I do the opposite. I, something I learned from, um, I mean, our pastor at, at Grace Bible, Blake Jennings, is uh, just this principle of using posture uh, to direct your heart. And so many times you actually see that flipped on its head where you think it's the other way. Like your heart, like, oh, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm going to bow or I'm going to jump around because I'm super happy. Um, no, I bow because I'm not submitting to God in that moment. I, I'm not submitting to the truth about him. And it like stirs my affections. I think that's how he put it, uh, using posture to stir up your affections uh, for the Lord. And so that's been happening a lot lately. <laughs> you know, it's easy to get uh, cynical and to to be a little distracted when you're leading. And I mean, that's one of the things I've had to do is, you know, I feel proud of myself right now. I Maybe I seem impressive because of this and I just need to get on my knees and I just need to remember who God is. And so that's something I've been doing. Um, and it's, it's really hard um, because so many times I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to look weird you know, or and maybe the spirit sensing something else. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. That's going to ruffle some feathers. I don't want to say that. Or maybe people won't like me. Uh, maybe that will offend some people. But I think it's just, yeah, being spirit led and using those things to humble yourself when you feel that. Mm. Y'all add to or push back on uh, what I'm about to say here. But there, I think two of the biggest things, by the way, before I even go on to my statement, that was really powerful that idea i've never heard blake say that of of uh change your posture and sometimes that actually will change your heart i I think that's that's going to be a blessing to a lot of people and even already for me as i'm thinking about it um but i think a couple of the things that i've really struggled with in contemporary um christian worship music is i think a lack of lament songs um so um i'm gonna butcher his name and i'm so sorry because i really like this guy but sung sung chow raw i think is his name um just wrote a great song about um biblically um how 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 do the people of god need to lament and i feel that missing so much in in worship songs today um i feel like because our country is so kind of has this so like triumphant narrative of like American exceptionalism and we never look at ourselves as the evil Roman empire. We always look at ourselves as Israel and the people of God. And, um, and I think if, if we really take a nice investigation of who we are as a country and what we do internationally, like we would actually lean a little bit more towards being an empire and a Roman empire. But like, uh, it it feels like songs are just always very triumphant. And I, and look, I, I love that because in one sense, like, I'm always the one that's like trying to push the button on like, Hey, we talk about the cross a lot, but remember Jesus rose from the dead. Like it's, it's really important. Like it's kind of the center of our faith is that he got up. And so it almost feels weird to critique the triumphalism of, of a lot of worship music, but, uh, but, but it's still, it, it's just, it's overkill a little bit. I, it feels like I can't come into a worship setting heavy and not just get the lights lowered and the emotion and get in the emotional state, but the words just never seem to fit my heaviness. 
um, because because we feel so kind of triumphant in that space and with those with those words. And so, yeah, that's just something that I've I've kind of been wrestling with with Christian music. And then and then the other one for me is uh, this this will be a little bit more controversial. So y'all don't feel like y'all have to get yourselves in trouble by commenting on this. But um, I I walked into a worship service um, once. And it was just it was just kind of really close on the heels of President Trump just really cracking down on like immigration and then the the Muslim ban and just saying some really derogatory remarks about black and brown people, especially internationally. Of course, he made the famous um, Africa's full of uh, shithole countries. And I just remember walking into a space and hearing words about us loving the nations and Jesus caring for all the nations and wanting us to go reach all the nations. And I just, I just, just, I, my spirit was just done. I just looked around and I was just like, that's not true. Y'all don't really feel that. And I hated it. I felt so condescending and prideful in that moment, but I was also just like, how are we going to sing songs like that? And then not just vote for that guy. Cause there was convoluted and, and just hard things that made people have to strike a vote in a two party system, but support him. And and then come in and sing songs about the nations and how we love the nations. And there's kids in cages on the border and there's Muslims who are being persecuted just for their religion. And that's why they can't come into our country. And so I, I think I think a, a piece of songwriting that I would like to come is like speaking truth to power. Like, let's make a song where we do what the early church did and we say, hey, Jesus is Lord and that person isn't. And the way that person is acting is inappropriate and they're grasping for power. They're grasping to be to be godlike. But Jesus actually humbled himself and lowered himself. And I I just don't I don't. Those are two things that I just really don't see in a lot of Christian music is one um, lament um, and two um, lyrics that speak truth to power or that speak in the tangible things that we as a people are experiencing that still have universal truths that can transcend time and be sung 50, 60, 500 years from now. Man, that's really easy to follow up. That's very, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, <laughs> not, yeah, there's not a lot in that commentary, Josh. So, um, there's a, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All softballs. Uh, yeah. There's not here. a lot to talk All about after balls, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to to bring up um thank you um uh, so great to be a guest on the the moral minority um you know I obviously just you guys are probably super pumped to have a white kid from the suburbs Absolutely. speaking 100% <laughs> my mans you know we're just man just <laughs> underrepresented more people need to right. hear from just <laughs> my, my my white suburbia background right like that's going to be super helpful that's funny um uh, there's a lot of sarcasm there just in case everyone, anyone listening. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the main things I think pulling out of that is how can we have songs of confession mm. and, um, something I've been doing is, uh, take the song, like build my life. Uh, that's something we're actually going to do. We're going to do for our, um, our worship team in a, a couple of days. We're going to do a worship summit just for all of our people who play and serve and all that stuff. And, uh, we, uh, we picked that song, uh, because, uh, there's actually, it's super familiar, but I think you can actually twist it 
and apply it to yourself as a song of confession or lament. So like you were saying, love the nations, lead those, uh, those around, lead me in your love to those around me. Right. Um, how many times have I not done that? How many times have I not built my life on what you think of me? And I've built it on what they said of me. How many things have I, and all of a sudden it becomes really lamentful. <laughs> you know, or, I don't know if that's a word, but really, really tough. And I'm actually going to read out of Luke. Um, I read this the other day and it, it, uh, it basically said, like Jesus is like, how many times have you, have you said, Lord, Lord? How many times? And and I, I can't remember what else he said, but it was basically like you say, Lord, and then you do nothing. Mm. And I thought, how many times have I sung the phrase, the Lord our God or Jesus is my Lord, but I am not making him or putting him as Lord over my life in this one issue. Mm. I'm saying it's just, you know, it's just the praises are repetitive and nothing's changing. Mm. And so I'm going to kind of talk about that. And then we're going to lead into build my life. And I'm totally going to switch it. Like, how can we make this not a prideful promise that, oh, I'm going to build my life for you, God. I'm never going to fail. I'm always going to love people around me. But instead, how can we shift even the songs we do have that are triumphal and apply it to us in a very real, real way? Like, how have I not been loving image bearers of God? Like, how have I not been doing this? How, how have I not built my life on uh, the glory of God instead of my own desires, mm. you know? So I, I think there's, yeah, there's totally a need for everything is not great all the time. And you can see that in the Psalms, you know, one minute he's okay. One minute he's not. <laughs> and I love that because I, I feel like that too. And uh, we need that in the church too. And, and I think we could even be faithful to use what we have and to challenge people to apply songs, uh, and make every song a song of confession. So I've seen mm. some examples um, kind of outside the worship space in the kind of greater kind of musicians who are Christians space mm -hmm. where they are willing to talk about lament and kind of deconstruction and doubting God and things we find in scripture and right. in Psalms, Proverbs or Psalms and Ecclesiastes mm -hmm. particularly. Um, but it seems like those, the content of those songs are maybe not welcome on a Sunday morning in the worship sphere. It seems like there's like, okay, kind of in your personal spiritual life, we can sing these songs that help us be honest with God about our doubts and fears, or we can maybe mm -hmm. wrestle but on a Sunday morning, that's when we conform to the truth. That's where Ooh. we kind of maybe um, we we sing what we want to believe. We mm. It's kind of the optimistic right. view of our relationship with mm. God. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Dang. Does that need to change? Yeah, I think going back to that song I mentioned earlier, um, bigger, bigger than I thought. And I'm a music guy. So I am. Ironically, I'm not great with lyrics. I forget them all the time. So it might be a struggle, but uh, one of the verses speak to me when the silence steals my voice. Mm. Like it also talks in that song about being bigger than all of my doubts, mm. all of my fears. It's, it's truth. And it's also showing the correct place of, you know, there's a reality to our feelings 
there is a reality. They do exist. But there is also the reality that truth exists outside of that reality. And so it may feel real to us, but there also may be a truth that we don't feel in that moment, but it is real and it's always been true. And so I think acknowledging the doubts and the fears that we have and the anxiety that we have, and then juxtaposing it with the truth of God, I think we can do both, you know, but I think there's less, like I wrote a song um, several years ago and it was when I really didn't like myself and I had very low self-value. I mean, borderline hated myself, really struggled. I didn't see me as God saw me. I didn't. And I wrote a song and the, the whole chorus was a question. And it was just, how can you still love me? Like, I, I don't see how you can love me still, was the chorus. And it's kind of a question and it never gets answered in that song. And I think it never gets answered. I don't change it. And so that's why it's like, you know, that is a beautiful, creative, oh, comment on the song, beautiful, great. Um, <laughs> I think that's really helpful in that context, but I don't know if it's good for every, for a bunch of people to sing, I don't see how you can love me. If maybe they're not in the same place I was. Okay. And so I like that. I, yeah. Okay, if I, I was going to make that corporate, I would want to have truth that is helpful for more than just my feelings, but for everyone. Cause I, I started showing the song to other people and you, my friends were like, man, you really feel that about yourself, man. Like, I don't, that's not, that's not how God sees you. Like Jesus's blood is stronger than, and like it covers all the stuff that you're so upset with yourself. When you look in the mirror, like you're covered by the blood of the lamb. And that changed the whole thing for me. So that certain song, like I, I think it's really, it's fun to do in creative environments, but um, I wouldn't like be, yeah, I think anyone could leave this on a Sunday morning. This would be helpful for all of America <laughs> to sing. And do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, so I, guess I, maybe I absolutely love that. I think that's such a powerful um, kind of uh, critique of, I mean, I, I definitely actually feel a lot with what Joel was saying, even if he was just, posing it as a hypothetical, mm. but I really feel that of like, man, I really wish that we could bring these more kind of lament based kind of don't have an answer. song cause like you look at a Psalm, like Psalm 88, there's no hope in it. Like if you go read the Psalm, there's, it, it literally just ends with this sucks. Um, but I, but I love what you said of mm -hmm. like, yeah, but, it, but I wouldn't want to make that like the broadest, like everyone in America now sings, um, I don't know who I am and I, and, and I don't see myself the way God sees me. Totally get that. I, I actually love that. I think that's a helpful reminder of like, if we're going to make songs for corporate settings, then we have to have stuff that kind of gets everybody. Right. right. Um, mm. I, I love that. I, I also wonder if like, if a church is in a season, you know, we, ha we know of churches that get in seasons where, you know, right. I mean, the Southern Baptists, uh, the denomination just had like just last year, like 7,000 sexual assault victims come out. Can't imagine mm. all the damage that that's doing yeah. in each individual church. Like, mm. I wonder if a church gets in a season where they're like, Hey, as a church as like our leadership is having to step down as like, 
as we're going through hell as a church, as we've lost our identity, maybe a particular church could sing a song that's like just completely lament based in that season. Mm. But I totally like what you're saying that like for like the whole of America and the world as of course music is so broad, would it be helpful for everyone to sing? I don't see myself the way God sees me. Probably not. I I like that. Yeah. I don't think it's always helpful. Mm -hmm. There's a balance that has to be struck, right? As an artist, I want to be honest about the experience that I'm going through. But at the same time, I want to be careful not to drag someone down into my, into the depth of that experience. John Mark, that's Mm -hmm. your song still, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I remember, I think that's the first song I ever heard you play. And I, I know like about once a year, I'll like go look it up on YouTube because I'm like, I want to experience that again. Like I want to sit in that moment again, but I know the lyrics. I know it's not a song that I want to sing like every month on Sunday morning. It's, it's not, it's not a space that's um, really, how do I put this? It's not a space that draws me to love and worship God necessarily. It leads me to be honest with God, which is good, but it's, uh, again, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, John Mark, it's not necessarily corporate and you don't want to necessarily drag someone down like that. I want to touch on something that Josh mentioned, kind of speaking truth to power. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen a couple of good examples of this. One is by a band called The Brilliance and they categorize their music nowadays um, at the last concert that I went to, they describe their music as protest music mm-hmm. as kind of Christian protest music. Mm-hmm. They have a song called Oh dreamer that was written in response to the Trump administration um, dealing with DACA and mm-hmm. kind of all the drama that occurred as a result of that. And the song Oh dreamer, it's so beautifully written. And when I listen to it, it cultivates a spirit of compassion and a heart for justice and a um, environment that leads me to want to love my neighbor. Mm. John Mark, what do you think about a song like that in a worship setting? Like, can we, do you think that it's too polarizing to maybe um, think about how do we apply the words of Jesus the the call that we have as Christians to a situation that we have in society. How, and can we do that on a Sunday morning? Um, I want to give an example. And the song is, you may have heard of it, The Heart of Worship. Mm. <laughs> Matt Redman. <laughs> I'm coming back to, to the, the heart, heart of worship. <laughs> I heard the story behind this song and it changed everything for me. Because I think it's a good example of this. Uh, He was at his church, and I can't remember where it was, but he started blowing up as a songwriter and as a worship leader. I mean, his songs were... I I think he wrote a little song called uh, Blessed Be the Name. Mm -hmm. A little (laughs) one. uh, Yeah, no one knows about that one. Yeah, and uh, this was before 10,000 Reasons, (laughs) all that stuff. Um, But oh my gosh, yeah, his music started blowing up. Music became a big deal at his church. So much so that they felt like it was distracting. There was a lot of production. It, a lot of people were just coming for the music and then leaving for the teaching. And 
um, they had an, a situation, which I think Joel comes back to your question in their own church where they needed to address something. And they both decided no more music. We can't handle this right now. We've made it an idol and they did no music for um, close to a year or over a year. Just teaching. Um, just confession. And you have Matt Redmond sitting on the front row. And uh, they, but they noticed like a, a lot of people stopped coming. But the people that were still coming, their hearts started to change and things started getting healthier. The services were still powerful and started becoming more powerful even without music. And after so many months, Matt got up on stage and he played this song. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Dang. And uh, it just ends with him singing, I'll bring you more than a song. I mean, wow. And that song just changed a generation. And I think that's an example of maybe how we could do that. Like, what do we need to address and confess and lament and repent of in our churches? And and I think that comes with songwriting for your body, for your people. And I, I just love that too, that uh, it's more than just a song. Singing is something God requires us to do. He calls us to do, which I think is really funny. You mm -hmm. have this infinite being who tells us like, I want you to sing, even if you're not good at it. It's like, he just loves our joy. And I mean, it's just, so funny in that way, but he requires more than just a song, truth to action, right? It's more than just a song. So I think that's a way he did it. I think we could really learn from, let's be honest, let's take away things if they become an idol. Let's scale back some stuff if it's a problem. And then uh, let's honestly like confess. There was so much confession in that, you know, in that song. I mean, it's just heartbreaking, but it's centered on the truth of Jesus. Self-expression. God glorification, all in one. That's beautiful. So. Dang. Well, with the time we got left, I actually want to, I want to big you up, man. You're you you make music, and uh, quite frankly, dog, you make some good music. Um, I am cynical and a critic, and so Thanks, I man. would not, um, I would not uh, say it was good if it wasn't, even though you're my dog. Um, and so making a move, the first uh, single you put out, like. I'm excited to like be in a relationship and blare that one in the car or like <laughs> play that one uh, or like hear it like out somewhere and like dance with my girl to it. Like that joint is fun. That's awesome. It's That's fun. Awesome. Yeah. So as you made a song like that, which has no Christian, uh, I mean, it's, there's nothing in there about, about G is literally just a cool song about, um, uh, you making a move towards someone that you see that you're um, into, of course, uh, for you, Lila in particular. 
that song is the Sadie Hawkins dance of this generation. <laughs> I'm calling it now. It's got the same energy. The, yeah, I, the, I remember the oh first time God. I heard Making a Move Live, I literally laughed out loud. I was just, I was like, this is this is a feeling like the middle school is. dance. This is a feeling that's so unique. And yet it's it's just that special kind of awkward and funny, but also hopeful and romantic. And I love it. Unique yet universal yeah. for sure. Yeah. So as you, this is so as funny. you stepped in, <laughs> it's so funny. Man. No, oh, I was man. just going to say, as you stepped into a song like that, like, um, yeah, I guess what, what, what's your process? What are you thinking? Like, especially when you're like, I'm going to put this out. Yeah. I'm primarily a worship leader and people see me as like the Christian music guy, but I just want to put out a song about, making a move you know like or you know like how, how, what was that what was that process like not only curating it but also saying like i want this to be my first single that comes out that i put out as an artist well first of all joel is one of the tens of people that's come to my live shows <laughs> over the past couple of years so, yeah i'm so glad he's here i've seen i've seen the evolution of john mark right because i saw like the like sultry singer songwriter with like the very deep depressed emotions playing still and i was like oh my gosh should i be crying right now and then like that yeah. was like 2014 and then 2016 i see him play making the move for the first time and uh -huh. i'm like this is a jam i am so hyped oh, right bop. now it's like it was a total 180 on the john mark experience so i love the i love the range that you have as a songwriter and as a performer um and i've i'm so privileged to be have been able to see that live oh thanks man wow um i think but yeah going back to your question josh i, I was wrestling with this with some of my mentors a couple months ago and the same thing like man i i love the church but i'm really i feel like i'm gifted at just writing my own unique songs that um have whispers and hints of Jesus in them, but they're not worship songs specifically. Like they don't have the word Jesus in them or they don't have the word God in them. So should I be doing this? Like, am I, I want to glorify God with my life, but I don't know. Like, is that, does it count? How can I do that? And I remember him just saying, uh, and he's actually, his name is uh, uh, Daniel Clay. He's in a band called South of Royal. And I do want to talk about them in a second. But I remember D Clay just saying, Okay, so what makes a a Christian shoemaker a Christian shoemaker a Christian, or how does a Christian shoemaker glorify God? Right? Are there crosses in the heels of every shoe he makes? Is there scripture kind of uh, drawn around the edge of it or the edge of the sole, or does he just make really good shoes? He got that from Martin Luther. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was it wasn't Martin Luther. I'm pretty sure it was Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Luther got it from Daniel. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. That's it. And uh, I'm sure he quoted it to me at the time, and and that just really made me think, like, wow, there is no division. We like to think that there's a division between sacred and secular, but I mean, ever since Jesus tore the veil and the presence of God walks, I mean, in the hearts of men and women on the earth there just is no division anymore good. and i just want to make good songs mm. i just want to make good songs and i wrote making a move because i was really sad and depressed and hated myself for way too long and i needed to learn how to change my posture of my heart and have fun and so i did that and that was really good for me 
Um, something I love about South of Royal is they actually answered a lot of questions that you're asking. Hmm. And uh, they just put out a song called Quick Fixes, which I've never heard someone write about this, but they basically talk about, man, we love to just put out a fire instead of ignoring what's really going on. And they also, they love worshiping God and want to make worship music, but they love indie pop music. Mm. So they're like, okay, we won't do acoustic guitar. We won't do a female background vocal. It has to be a vocoder. Or instead of a acoustic guitar, it's going to be a synth. And they just write worship songs. And they put a hymn to that too. And everyone's asking them, like they've been interviewed by uh, the Gospel Coalition and like Dallas Observer, sacred, sacred and secular, right? Quotation marks on that. And they're both asking the same question. What are you trying to do? Because it's worship lyrics, it's Christian lyrics, but it's not, it doesn't sound like Christian music. And I guess they're kind of saying, why, why does it have to? Mm. They're contributing instead of complaining, which I really love. They're making something creative and new. And, and that's something I'm trying to do too, uh, moving forward. And they've been super encouraging uh, as I've been trying to figure out what my new direction is going to be. You got something cooking? So You got something, to, something in the kitchen these days? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, it's been a, a, a lot of learning how to uh, make cr- songwriting not just a hobby, but a job, and how to not just work when inspiration strikes, uh, but to work when it's 9 a.m. and I need to write a song by the end of the day or by lunch. So yeah, I've written more than I ever have. I think I was writing one song a year in between my singles and was just really crushed and too much pressure on myself to figure out music. And now it's been great. And yeah, it's going to be totally different. And so Joel is now going to see just a crazy, I think as an artist, you, you try and copy, you start off by copying bits of the people that inspired you to start making music in the first place. And you add them to yourself and it doesn't really feel like you. And then eventually you just start being you and all the copies come together microscopically and all of a sudden it's something new. So yeah, it's going to be different. So it's under wraps right now, but it's a bunch of songs that we're working on and I think we're getting close to moving forward to record some of them. And so, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's so, be excited. so excited to hear him, dog. Like legit, making a move is like, it's a bop. I love I love the other one too. Uh, is it uh, give and take? Give and take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, love it. It's got a unique. Yeah. Uh, you did you did something unique with the sound there. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks, man. I love Sufjan Stevens or Sufjan Stevens. Said it the Texas way, but <laughs> yeah, he was a major inspiration for that. So, well, this was fun, man. This yeah. really was. Uh, do you have any like? Uh, any ways people can connect with you? Any shows you got coming up, or anything you want to anything you want to shout out? Yeah, I think the biggest thing right now I'm working on is just social media stuff. I'm really bad at it, and uh, hate promoting myself. And I'm I'm learning the healthy way to do that. But it would help me so much if people could just follow me on Instagram. That's the main platform I use, mm-hmm. and just keep posted because yeah, shows are going to come up soon. We just I just did a couple so far shows and did some stuff around Dallas and working on Waco and expanding to other Texas cities and 
yeah, so that would be great. I mean, just follow me on social media, keep posting and, and share what you like. That'd be awesome. Mm. We'll be sure to link to all your pages in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. It means a ton. Well, this was really fun. I, I, I think this was, it was definitely helpful for me and I hope it was really helpful for the, the audience and, uh, I'm sure it was helpful for Joe as well, but I mean, just like, just, I, I, it helps me as a natural, you know, as a minority living in America, it just makes you cynical. And and so, I mean, just naturally as a little, being a little cynical and, and having critiques of the church so many and, and uh, feeling like they're valid, but also remembering, Hey, there is good stuff happening. And, uh, and while there are good valid critiques, celebrate what we love so that we can see more of what we love. I think that's probably um, one of the, one of the top things I'm definitely going to take away from this. So Mm, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's let that cynicism drive what you create. You guys are doing that with that podcast. Co-writing with you was insane. I was like, I, cause I would try and say a phrase and it was just one of those recycled phrase. It was like, praise the Lord. That was my lyric. And, um, God was like, uh, no, uh, Joshua, you said, he was like, well, what about like God smiling on the poor? I was like, what? <laughs> what? Who comes, who just has that? And they're back in, yeah. And like, we're hidden, we're hidden underneath his wings. And I was like, what is this? So man, yeah, create and use that cynicism and that healthy, um, trying to make things better and being an advocate for the people who need advocates and championing them like use that and drive and create let's add to the conversation musically um art wise and everything and because that's really how people change it's just it's a sanctification is like a glacial pace it moves so slow um but i think it if we if we extend a hand instead of pointing a finger it helps people up dang yeah that's powerful so powerful. Well, this is uh this has been great. Thanks so thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, John Mark. And thanks to listeners for listening to the Moral Minority. Oh, thanks for having me.
Talk to you.